This is Comic Shenanigans, Episode 11, Comic Reviews for the week of September the 19th. And welcome to the show. I am your host, Adam Chapman. And once again, this is Comic Shenanigans. Uh, this week, we're looking at comics review uh, that were released on September the 19th. We had a lot, of, a lot of comics to look at today, so let's just jump right in. Uh, first up, we have Avengers number 30. Um, so it's yet another AVX tie-in, although this one is very... doesn't feel like much of a tie-in, to be honest with you. Uh, this one seems to take place after the big battle. Um, it's kind of an odd placement uh, in terms of who's in it. It's mainly a, a story about um, uh, Hawkeye and Spider-Woman, and uh, it just feels out of place. I don't really know what the point of it was. I really don't like... Bendis putting Spider-Woman and Hawkeye together. Uh, it seems kind of... Uh, I, I may may not have had such a problem with it if it wasn't for the fact that he brought back Mockingbird and then did nothing with her. Um, you have Mr. Negative in here and his goons in here going up against uh, Hawkeye and Spider-Woman. Uh, they're taking them out. Uh, it just didn't feel like an issue that necessarily needed to happen. Um... It all it's basically Mr. Negative's goons want to get their hands on everything that uh was left behind after Fear Itself and uh and so then it's up to Spider Woman and Hawkeye to take them out and make sure they don't do that. So I found this issue not all that important, not all that interesting. I don't like the interaction between Hawkeye and Spider Woman's okay. I just don't like that pairing in, in general, so kind of it's starting off at a disadvantage when it comes to my enjoyment of it uh that being said um we have Walter Simonson on artwork I really I'm not a huge fan of his artwork here I, I don't know what it is it's just uh his line work it's alter alternately kind of wonderful at some points and not so good in others I like the first kind of major shot of Hawkeye and uh and Spider-Woman jumping down on the on the Mr. Negative's goons isn't bad. It's it's it doesn't have too many lines, but then in subsequent pages it just seems like there's an overabundance of line work that doesn't need to be there, and it just kind of makes the characters look more awkward than they need to. I wasn't a huge fan of this issue, to be honest with you. Uh, well, I guess that kind of comes through with what I've been saying. I gave it a six and a half out of ten. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. It just didn't I didn't find it all that interesting either. Uh, next up is Avengers Academy number thirty seven. Uh, this title is almost almost over. Um, this is part four of Final Exam, and that's, of course, by Gage and Grummet. Uh, so it's Christos Gage on writing and Tom Grummet on artwork. Uh, this it wasn't a bad issue. I just didn't find it was nearly as, as engaging as the previous installments. I, I thought it would be a lot more exciting, and it just didn't feel like it was quite that exciting in the end. Um... That being said, it's interesting to have it have it all be over, and I, I really don't know where this is going next. Um, I, I like the I like I like the characters a lot. I'm sad that this book is going away and we're getting that weird ex, what is it Avengers Arena, which I'm not really a big fan of. Uh, the idea of it just kind of being like a Hunger Games slash Battle Royale for all the younger teams. That just seems not fair to these characters, especially that the readers like myself who really come to enjoy them. Being said, this was so. This wasn't the greatest arc. You had the team working together. It just it lost lacked the punch of the previous issues because the previous issues really you had this sense of this dire sense of finality that was going to happen, and this felt a little bit more routine, almost by the numbers. Although I did like the appearance of Jocasta, 
Uh, the artwork by Grummet kind of accentuated my feeling of it being feeling run of the mill. Uh, it was good artwork. It just wasn't great. It was just kind of there. Uh, his X23, I'm not a big fan of how he makes her look. He makes her look very kind of he- hefty. Uh, or not hefty, that's the wrong word, but very bulky in terms of her physique, where she's supposed to be a lot more slender. I just, I guess in general, he, I'm not a huge fan of the way he does younger adults. Uh, whereas his, his adults usually look a lot better, but his younger adults, not as big a fan. That's a 7.5 out of 10. Brings us to Batwoman number 0. Uh, I like this. I wish I liked it more. I... I have to confess, I wasn't one of the ones who actually read the first Batwoman Zero that there was, so this is new to me in terms of a Zero issue. I uh, have uh, J.H. Williams III, on, who's the co wrote it with, uh, let's see, W. Hayden Blackman, and he also does the artwork. Uh, sorry, Williams, that is. Um, I like the first couple pages a lot more than the rest because it has that nice painted surreal look that the, usually has. The rest of the artwork, it kind of reminded me of Mas- uh, David Mazzuccelli, but lacking a little bit of the detail and the sense of uh, movement and mobility. Uh, that being said, I mean, there weren't a lot of surprises in the issue, um, but it was pretty solid overall. Uh, it was an interesting tale of of Batwoman's origin, um, you know, how she was trained, what she's kind of thinking, why she started doing what she's doing now, how she became, how what kind of drives her to be Batwoman. I think I said Batgirl. I apologize. Batwoman. Um, but I... Other than that, I mean, I... I feel like it could have been a little bit more... I, I wish we had a little bit more in a sense of her becoming Batwoman and the, and what Batman would have thought about that and if she'd had any interactions. And since she's kind of in her own world, which feels a little odd, like, why did you become Batwoman? Like, Batgirl became Batgirl because she's inspired by Batman. And there's less of a sense, especially in here, that Batwoman was really inspired by Batman at all. It was just more of a convenient uh, trope to follow. Uh, that being said, I mean, it's not bad. Uh, it's not as good as the last actual issue was. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Brings us to Birds of Prey number 0. Uh, Birds of Prey number 0, I actually quite liked it. It's by uh, Duane Swierzynski. I apologize if I massacred that name. Uh, the artwork is by, let's see here, pop the issue, uh, Romano Molenar. Um, I actually quite liked it. I haven't kept up with all of the actual Birds of Prey book. Um, that being said, I, I did enjoy this earlier version of Black Canary, uh, her origin here. I like how she first met Batgirl. I really like their interaction here. I just, I like how Batgirl's written in general. She's, she looks great too. The art's fantastic. Uh, it's actually just a a really solid issue and it kind of gives you an idea of, of where they all, of where this, this modern incarnation of the team really kind of bonded and got, uh, you know, first kind of work together. So I actually liked it for quite a bit. I get I want to believe 7 out of 10. Actually, I'm going to increase that to a 7.5 because it's not quite an 8, but it's pretty close. Uh, next up after Birds of Prey number 0 is Captain Adam number 0, which I did not like. Um, again, I have a confession. For a lot of these DC books, I haven't necessarily been keeping up with all the issues because there's just so many to read. Uh, but I am trying to read all the Zero issues, or at least most of them. Uh, didn't really care for this Captain Adam number Zero. Uh, I didn't even realize his book was still going, uh, to be honest. It's by J.T. Crawl, with Robert Freddie Williams II. Uh, I just... I, first of all, this is the worst-looking art by Freddie Williams II I've ever seen. It just... Uh, and, and the story... I mean, I know that Captain Adam and Dr. Manhattan are essentially, at their core, like very similar. But this felt like they made... Captain Adam more 
similar to how uh, the origin of Dr. Manhattan has always been presented, which I didn't really care for. Um, it's his origin, and I didn't really like it. I just found he's not all that likable a character. Um, the way he suddenly is empowered and able to do things, and the way that he acts, and even the, the, the way that the, the art is really portraying his powers. I mean, this is not the best example of Freddie Williams II's artwork. Um, and this is not the best example of J.T. Curl's uh, story writing abilities either. Uh, I really just found this hard to keep my interest and not all that good. So I actually gave that one a 5 out of 10. Which brings us to Catwoman number 0, which I liked even less. Uh, I gave that, this one a 4 out of 10 because it just was so not good. Um, I, I didn't like this version. I, I, I didn't know what their origin of Catwoman was going to be like. I really found it not interesting at all. Um... I don't know, it, it just seemed that she's such an, an uninteresting character here. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but she just lacks any kind of sensibility that may, would make me think that she was any version of Selena Kyle ever. Uh, they tried to put a mystery in here, and it just didn't work. I, I didn't find myself engaged or even caring about the mystery. And then you have a real ripoff from the story of Catwoman's origin in Batman Returns, which is not a good thing, where suddenly she's licked the life by a bunch of cats. This isn't good. Uh, I just found this so uninteresting, not engaging, interest like just this isn't good at all. Uh, again, they try to make this a big cliffhanger, like ooh, Selena Kyle doesn't even exist. Uh, I don't care. Uh, this is not a version of Selena Kyle I'm even interested in reading about. If this is what they want to give us, then no, thank you. Uh, I gave this a four out of ten. This was not good. Innocenti wrote it, which surprised me. Uh, I feel like she didn't maybe like why why make this version of Catwoman because. I don't know. This origin is terrible. Adriana Mello, who I usually like on artwork, I found that she made Selena look too young and lack a certain sense of grace or or even sophistication. I don't know. It, it just didn't work for me at all. Uh, and it kind of failed out the gate. Brings us to Daredevil number 18. A lot better uh, than, than Catwoman, as you can imagine. Really enjoyed the artwork. Really enjoyed the story. Um... It's, by, it's written by Mark Wade, of course, with art by Chris Samney, who is a f- fantastic artist to work on this book. He is a, It's an almost a cartoony in terms of the, some of the... Not lack of detail, because that sounds like a like a deprecating remark about this. Like It sounds like a put-down. But it just there's a bit of a cartooniness here that works and doesn't feel like it's a lazy art. Instead, like you actually get a lot out of the somewhat simplistic line work uh, that's being used here. Uh, it's a great story about, you know, Foggy taking a job, wanting to, you know, trying to get Matt, like, agreeing with Matt to do to do something for him, and Matt will do something for him. Uh, Matt's going a little bit crazy because he thinks that Mila is, you know, in his apartment, and he's, like, he's going a little bit crazy, and things don't seem to be where they seem. And then at the end of the issue, uh, you find out that maybe Daredevil is going a little bit crazy because Mila's still locked up, so she's not actually out and uh just a lot of potential in this book it really makes you question you know what's going on with daredevil what's he thinking what's you know what's really going on on his brain is he going a little bit crazy um i like how him and foggy not really being on eye to eye is hurting them both in different ways um and like a match written on his, on his date so very enjoyable issue get this an eight out of ten uh next issue is uh, green lantern new guardians number zero uh, first of all, I feel like maybe the creative team here did not get the memo that this is supposed to be a zero issue. Uh, you have Tony Bedard writing and Aaron Cooter on artwork. 
Um, didn't care much for this issue. Part of it's because it's not a zero issue. It's basically issue 13, but it's not actually issue 13. Um, you got Thomas Kalamaku here. You got Carol Ferris, and you've got uh, Kyle Rayner all playing parts in this book. Um, I just didn't find it all that interesting. You have some weird parts with Kyle Rayner and, uh, and, and Carol Ferris, you know, meeting and then uh, kind of blowing each other's identities. You have them worried about what's happening with the Black Lanterns. Uh, you have a new costume for Star Sapphire. It just, it's not necessarily a bad issue. That's, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. But it's also not uh, an issue number zero. It's no not an origin at all. Uh, it is interesting to see, you know, even after Black Hand seemingly is gone, that he's all the people he was controlling are still kind of there and attacking. Um, it's interesting to see a little bit more about Kyle Rayner and what potentially could happen to him in the future because he's, he's able to access all these colors uh, at the same time. But, uh, uh, I don't know. It didn't, it, it had some interesting glimpses into the future. It didn't really move the story away all that much. You have the Zamorans potentially wanting to team up with the, uh, the guardians to take out all the cores, but it doesn't function as a zero issue. Um, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. I, I wanted to like this. I really enjoyed the new the uh, Green Lantern uh, core zero issue. This just wasn't the same. Uh, it brings us to Justice League number zero. Uh, I haven't. I gotta confess. I I've read the the Shazam backup stories, but I don't. I feel like because they happen once a month, and I don't remember them all that well. Uh, I didn't like this issue all that much. I gave it a seven out of ten because it wasn't actually bad. It just wasn't really to my taste. Uh, it's got not bad artwork uh, by, um, uh, apologize, by Gary Frank. Uh, I just didn't really care much for the story. I don't like this version of Billy. I don't care that much for his origin to become Shazam. Uh, it felt like an overextended backup story. Uh, and maybe that maybe that's one of the problems. Like it, it felt like it could have been done a lot faster. I'm not really sure where they're going to go with this. Um, uh I don't know. And then the backup story I didn't find all that interesting either with Prandora. Uh, and then you got a little bit of the question. Uh, I, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's a 7 out of 10. Oh, actually, wait. Sorry, did I say 7? Uh, no, that's a 7 out of 10. That's what I meant. Next is Legion of Superheroes number 0. I gave that a 7 out of 10 as well. Um, I haven't read a lot of the Legion of Superheroes book. That being said, I did enjoy the story because it's kind of it's by paul levitt scott collins i really enjoy scott collins artwork it's very loose but it works for, especially for this kinetic style of characters and storytelling it really really works it's an early story between the uh, the legion and brainiac uh, 13 sorry brainiac 5 what was my mind uh you also got ultra boy playing a big part as well as cosmic boy lightning lad and uh phantom girl uh just really enjoyable story about kulu and, uh, you know, there's, a, a, a I can't even think of the word. There's some tech that's gone, that's, that's escaped, and they're trying to fight it, and they come up with a solution to get it off-world, etc., and then you find out it's really, it's uh, Brainiac 5's kind of secret shame type of thing. Not a bad story of kind of this team still in the early stages of their existence, learning how to work with Brainiac 5, uh, seeing how he interacts with Kalu and other people there. I actually enjoyed it a fair bit. Um... I wasn't sure what to expect from it, but it was actually pretty good. So I gave that one a 7 out of 10. really liked the artwork by Collins. 
Uh, brings us to Mighty Thor number 20. Uh, I felt let down by Mighty Thor number 20. Uh, I really enjoyed the last issue of 19. I also enjoyed the last issue of the Everything Burns storyline in uh, Journey to Mystery. I found that this just, just didn't quite have the same oomph to it, the same, you know, same punch. Uh, that being said, although the story may not have had as much of the punch, I really did enjoy the uh, the artwork by Alan Davis, because this is the Alan Davis I like. Like, I feel like there have been times in the past where I haven't really liked his artwork, and it's because it wasn't the Alan Davis that we see here, uh, which is really good. We see a lot more going on here as to what Thor is doing, what's going on back in this Guardia, uh, Surtur's plan, uh, what exactly is Loki up to. He's, you know, playing, playing every direction he can. Um... I really enjoyed it, but then it's got a good kind of glimpse into what's going to happen next issue. The Hellwolf is on the is on uh, Loki's trail, so I actually enjoyed it for a bit. Um, yeah, it's just very. I wasn't enjoying Mighty Thor, uh, and I actually dropped it, and then I came back onto it for Everything Burns, and I'm really glad that I did because it's actually quite good. Uh, so this issue, I'm actually confused. I think it's Matt Fraction who still wrote it with Alan Davis on art, but they kind of changed the credit sequence a bit, so I was a little confused. Uh, so pretty good issue of Mighty Thor. Um, overall, the artwork's fantastic. The story isn't as strong. That's why it's a 7 out of 10, not an 8. Uh, brings us to two, Nightwing number 0. Uh, really enjoyed this. Uh, I, I love Nightwing. I like this this glimpse into his past uh, on the New 52, what that's like. Um, I like that kind of seeing why he wasn't even in why he wasn't with his, his parents. He was grounded for that day because of some mischief, mischievous stuff he'd been doing and how he first meets uh, Bruce Wayne and things he notices uh, and how he kind of figures out that he's Batman, which I actually liked. It kind of reminded me of uh, the idea of uh, the detect- of um, Tim Drake being a detective. So it shows that Dick Grayson picks things up too, and I found that quite good. I found the artwork fantastic. Um, I like the idea that well, actually, I wasn't sure how I liked it, but the idea about Dick Grayson kind of being more of a silent partner in the cave before he came, actually went out in the field. But it actually did make a lot of sense uh, because how would Batman bring him out on his own? Um, it'd be dangerous. But this is more he's he's been studying, he's been preparing, and he's going out to save Batman's life. So he that's what prompts him to actually become his partner for the first time. Uh, pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. this kind of glimpse into how that worked. Tom DeFalco wrote it uh, with Higgins. Did a fantastic job. Um, yeah, this was just enjoyable all the way through. Eddie Barrows and artwork. Uh, fantastic art, artwork by Eddie Barrows. It's just as lithe and kind of uh, agile as it needs to be. Very smooth. Um, and Batman, when he's in action, looks fantastic. I even didn't mind the, uh, the kind of prototype uh, Robin costume, which is a nice version of uh, him not having to wear the uh the boot uh, sorry the um the shorts uh, that that usually uh, the grayson wears it's more of a bodysuit and it has a little bit more from the uh in line with the tim drake costume but no i i liked it quite a lot this is a great issue eight out of ten all the way uh brings us to red hood and the outlaws so we get another robin's origin i gave this one a seven out of ten it wasn't bad um it was kind of a an interesting slant on on his. I, I think I actually would have enjoyed this more if it wasn't for the backup with the Joker because I found that really didn't work for me. Otherwise, uh, the artwork isn't the greatest. I found it a little bit too loose for my taste. Um, it almost reminded me of. You know, it's funny. I, I hadn't actually looked at the artist, 
And I was like, it really looks like Pascal Ferry, and I don't really like his artwork all that much. And then, lo and behold, that's who did the artwork. So there you go. Scott Lobdell wrote it. Uh, it's not really an origin of the Red Hood and the Outlaws as a team or how they got together, but more just of uh, Red Hood and uh, uh, Jason's history as Robin. Uh, it, it was fairly strong. It was a nice thing to kind of... They didn't change all that much. I mean, they changed certain aspects of his history, but the idea that him, him kind of being an angry kid and who really just kind of wanted to find his mom and that's what led to him being beaten up by the Joker, that was all intact. So there actually wasn't all that much that was different. Um, and you still see him in the, in the Lazarus Pit. And I like the the end of the main story. kind of has that, you know, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. So there's that little bit of uh, open-ended nature. To, is this really the true story? But then you have the Joker, and it comes in and says some stuff, and I hate the backup. So if this book didn't have the backup, I would have given it an 8 out of 10. Uh, with the backup, yeah, Factory then had to give it a 7, and I'm surprised it didn't go lower. I just didn't enjoy it. Next up is Spider-Man number 5. Uh, this kind of felt weird, and I kind of I had to read it afterwards to, kind of, to really understand it, because I don't like the implication here that, that Quentin Beck is now... I, I, I feel like I need to read it again because I feel like maybe I got it wrong or maybe people need to tell me. Uh, Bendis wrote it. Uh, I love Sarah Pacelli on artwork. It's absolutely elegant. Um, it looks like Mysterio is from the 616. It's always controlled the Mysterio from the Ultimate because it's just a robot. But it kind of gives the idea that, that Quentin Beck knows who Spider-Man is then. Um, I didn't care for that aspect of it. Otherwise... The artwork is fantastic. I love Pacelli's style. The visual storytelling is amazing. I love how she makes uh, both Peter and Miles look. Miles looks so agile. I just love it. Um, I like the like, even the, the height difference between the two Spider-Man. Uh, everything about it just looked really, really good. Um, the last page obviously has the big cliffhanger of, you know, what does Peter see when he looks up um, Miles Morales on Google and when he's back in the 616 universe pretty strong issue overall i'm wonder. i'm interested to see what happens next uh because there's got to be something next at some point because i want to see what happens exactly with uh the miles morales in the regular universe and where that might actually end up coming showing up again but otherwise uh very strong ending to the arc i again i'm not so sure how i feel about mysterio being stuck in the ultimate universe and that never really sticks. And I just, it, plus the way that he was depicted here didn't really jive with how he's been depicted back in uh, Amazing Spider-Man under Dan Slott and during the, the, the Gauntlet during the Brand New Day era. Uh, but overall, still a very good issue. 8 out of 10. Next up is Supergirl number 0. I did not expect to like this nearly as much as I did. I give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, the appearance of the, the Con L character. Um, or I believe that's what he's called, or the Hell character. I for the solicitations, he's some sort of like the original these clone that kind of made things bad for clones back on Krypton. Um, he shows up, which is kind of weird. But otherwise, this is a story about Zor-El, uh, trying to come to terms with having trying to save his daughter and trying to do everything he can to make it happen and keeping it from his wife and his daughter. What exactly what he's doing? Uh, very strong. I like seeing this this uh concept of him i like seeing how you know he does everything that it takes to save his daughter and it's very tragic when he he jets her away from krypton and krypton blows up and is destroyed uh just extremely solid it's got it's got some emotional aspects that i really enjoyed it really connected to me as a reader michael green 
uh, I believe wrote this. Um, let me just check here. Michael Green and Mike Johnson at the writers with Mahmoud Azwar on the art. Uh, very good. 9 out of 10. The artwork is very enjoyable. Supergirl looked like a younger girl, which is what she should look like. So, you know, this was quite, quite enjoyable. A lot of fun. I actually did not expect to enjoy this nearly as much as I did. Uh, next up is Sword of Sorcery, number zero. I don't know anything about the Amethyst character, so I do, I don't, I can't speak of knowing much about that character, so I apologize if I say certain things that aren't fair. Um, that being said, I actually really enjoyed this issue. Um, some really enjoyable artwork, some great storytelling. Uh, this was just, this was a pretty solid read all the way. I don't know anything about these characters, which makes it a little bit more interesting because I don't have any baggage. There's some weird stuff in here, um, for sure. Like, there's, John Constantine shows up and he's watching, uh, Amethyst for a reason I can't really explain. But otherwise, this issue kind of gives you everything you need to understand and jump into these, this character. Um, it sets up a great conflict for the coming issues once the main series starts. Just really enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't expect to enjoy this all that much, but it was it was actually really good. Uh, and I would I would definitely read the next issue. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to miss it. I think it'd be really good. Uh, so that is by uh, sorry I gave that a seven out of ten. Uh, as for who it's by, the credits list. Let's see: Christy Marks, Tony Bedard, Aaron Lepresti, and Jesus Saez. Uh, on the artwork. So the backup was about Beowulf, and I didn't enjoy it at all. But the main story with uh, Amethyst herself was actually really good. Uh, next up, we have Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 15. Really enjoyed this. The only, the only thing that could ruin it for me, or not ruin it, but just, just uh, really distract me, is not knowing exactly where in the chronology this and Spider-Man takes place because of when he got the web shooters here, but he didn't have them in Spider-Man, and he didn't get them given to him in Spider-Man. He got, he got them here the first time he met Aunt May, so that was a little confusing. Uh, other than that, this is a really enjoyable issue. Fantastic artwork uh, by David Marquez with our, uh, sorry, colors by Justin Ponser. Obviously, uh, Bendis is still writing it. Uh, I'm actually, beside myself, I, I left the Ultimate Spider-Man books after Ultimatum. I thought it was, Ultimatum ruined the character for me. I had no interest in reading uh, Ultimate Comic Spider-Man when it first started. I didn't like the art interpretation of the, the character. It was very manga-ish, and it didn't work for me, or anime-ish, sorry. So I didn't really want to read that. But then, ever since, I wanted to see... What is this Miles Morales character going to be like? And I've really fell in love with this character. I like how Bendis writes him. I love the artwork. Pacelli did an amazing uh, work uh, job on the art. But now I'm really impressed by this uh, David Marquez. His his style is so smooth and fluid, and that really works with this character. There's a, a shot where um, Miles is is in the rain and he's learning how to web swing and he's got he's kind of doing this classic kind of upside half upside down flailing his legs are you know going one one's going one way one's going the other he's got his arm out he's he's webbing and you have his other arm kind of behind him twisting because he's still holding on to the last web line this is fantastic artwork uh great storytelling sensibilities i really like what they're going with here i like how at the end you know uh miles wants to join up and be one of the ultimates um, just a great issue. You also have the uh, first appearance, I believe, the first appearance of Maria Hill in the Ultimate Universe. This was just fun all the way around, so I really enjoyed this. This, this was a great book, very enjoyable. Um, and it has been since the beginning. Give that an 8 out of 10. Next is Venom number 25. 
not a big fan of where Venom's gone over the last couple of issues. I cannot wait to see what happens with uh, Minimum Carnage, because I think there's a lot of storytelling potential there with him and, and Scott Spider. But that being said, I'm not a huge fan of the demonic aspect. It's nice that they're going back to it, because obviously Circle 4 was a big demonic storyline. That being said, I don't care about the demonic aspects. I don't really like Damien Hellstrom being the antagonist here, or them fighting each other. I don't like what Venom's able to do and control the demons. Uh, it wasn't a bad issue. I just found it not nearly as good as, as the initial run of the book by Remender because it was a lot more grounded, even though they had the circle of four. So I guess barring that, everything was a lot more grounded. Now it just feels very fantastical. And I find that Flash isn't able to be as much of a character here. I want to know how Flash is handling being Venom. This is more just Venom could be anyone. It almost doesn't even feel like it's really Flash or anyone. Um, so I mean, I gave it a 7 out of 10 because it wasn't bad, but it just didn't do a lot for me. Next up is Wonder Woman number 0. I gave this one an 8 out of 10. I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, I've only read a select amount of issues by, of, of the new Wonder Woman, but I really like Brian Azzarello's writing here. Cliff Chiang has great artwork. Um, there's a very old school kind of golden age style of uh, the narration. I like that the art is kind of a stripped down style as well. I like that it's basically a story of, of Diana training uh, to be a warrior with Ares and then kind of failing to be taught in the way that Ares would prefer. Um, but very good. You have her going up against a Minotaur. Mm-hmm. This is just fun stuff. It, again, it feels very classic, uh, golden agey. Um, it's just a nice story. This is, you know, Diana training to be a warrior, uh, seeing what that's like, seeing what young Diana's like, um, you know, and seeing her sense of compassion, uh, and not kind of being the type of warrior that, uh, Ares wants her to be, uh, very enjoyable. Um, I enjoy this a, a hell of a lot, actually. Uh, next up we have, uh, the last book we'll be looking at actually, which is X Factor number 244. Really, really dug this. Um, breaking point. This is Breaking Points Day Four. I like how Peter David has been writing this book. Uh, just this is. I like how each day is kind of focusing on a different character or characters. Um, yeah, and so this we have some major events happening in the life of uh, both Polaris and Siren. Sorry, Banshee. I forget, keep forgetting that she's Banshee now. Uh, Polaris has gone almost catatonic. Uh, after realizing the truth last issue about her parentage. So this is an issue about uh, Banshee kind of realizing who she's got to be, what she's got to be able to do, making her peace with her with her dad and becoming something more so that she can help her friend. Uh, and, well, I don't even know if she's really that much of a friend, but so that she can, she can help Polaris and be clear um, and give her, like, a siren song. Uh, I'm not going to ruin much about the issue because I think it is something you got to kind of read for yourself and, be, and enjoy, unlike all the other books I've spoiled. Um, but no, this is this is good. Uh, I love Peter David on this book. It's so consistent. And I love Leonard Kirk on art. I think he's a great uh, great artist and he really fits Peter David's uh, portray, like the way he wants to portray these characters. So that's very good. So that's, that's every uh, comic we're going to be reviewing this uh, week. Uh, there are a few books I missed out on. I apologize for that. We missed out on New Mutants number 49, Dark Avengers 181, DC Universe Presents number 0, Blue Beetle number 0, and Before Watchmen Night Owl number 3. Uh, I, for Night Owl, I started reading it and I just didn't really care, so I apologize for not getting through that. 
Uh, Blue to Beetle number zero, kind of likewise. I think I read the first two pages and it was enough to deter me from reading the rest. Uh, Dark Avengers 181, I actually didn't get a chance to look uh, at at all. New Mutants 49, I, the artwork is so terrible when I leaf through it that I don't want to read it. I apologize about that. So that's about all we missed this uh, this week. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening to another episode of Comic Shenanigans. Um, for those who are big fans of Spider-Man, you'll want to keep a lookout for uh, episode 12 coming up uh, within the next couple days. As we'll be looking at our top five Spider-Man stories, I'll have a few guests in the studio with me. And we'll be running down our favorites. Uh, so that, that should be a lot of fun. If you have any uh, comments, questions that you'd like to send to myself or any other uh, guests at Comic Shenanigans, uh, you can email us at uh, comicshenanigans at gmail.com or you can uh, you know, post something on our uh, Facebook page. Again, where Comic Shenanigans is now on Facebook. We're also going to try and have a new, uh, new HeroCooks related podcast uh, episode up soon uh we had uh one our last episode episode 10 was the top five favorite sculpts uh that uh, nathan struck and i ran down the list of um we're going to be hopefully doing another hero clicks episode soon uh thank you for listening this has been another episode of comic shenanigans and uh we'll see you next time <laughs>